your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in... Over here! ...with a friend and found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Hi, how can I help you today? As a McDonald's employee, you say those words quite often. But how about when you need help, like consulting a doctor? Hi, how can I help you today? When you work for a McDonald's restaurant, we take care of you like family. With free virtual doctor's visits, including getting prescriptions and refills for you and everyone in your family. Apply today at careers.mcdonalds.com and find out more. The benefits described herein are only available at participating restaurants. Hello there, listeners. This is Jim the Keys Bartender coming to you from Key Largo. How was your weekend? Well, it's this is a Monday morning, so a Monday after the gym and all that. It was uh, the the it was lovely down here in the Keys. I hope it was lovely in your the places you went and things you did this weekend. It was. Very busy on our Friday and Saturday night. And I had an unforeseen day off, which is sometimes good, sometimes bad, depending on how badly I need to work. But luckily, that's why I have multiple jobs, right? Just in case anyone falls down, falls through. So, I would have put it. I wrote, sometimes when I read my, read my notes, I don't really know what the reference is. I have this book my, my daughter got, is a leather-bound book, and she got it for me for Christmas, and I, I'm more than, it's full of blank pages. I've met, I've many leather-bound books. No, this one's a leather-bound book. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying, cue the a-hole, beautiful people, I don't know what, I was thinking that song by Marilyn Manson who, I guess he's on the outs right now. Beautiful people, the beautiful people. Oh, okay, yeah, beautiful people. I know why, I'll bring that back to it. Uh, To get back to the cocktail conversation, because every show I'm going to try to start, besides saying the honorific greeting, right? Honorific is actually a title. So the obligatory greeting, I wanted to... uh, Talk about cocktails. And when creating a cocktail, you just got to think of your taste signature, what you're going to do. Now, I have a specific restriction because I don't taste alcohol anymore. I know there's alcoholics that can drink it and spit it out and do all sorts of things. Uh, um, uh, That's not me. I just don't want to try that out. Though I do drink zero, zero beer. You know, only if it's in the bottle and I see it, you know. Uh, yeah, Heineken has a great zero, zero beer. Zero alcohol. I don't know why it says zero, zero. I guess 0.0. Which, if it's below, if it's like 0.1, that's 100. That's better than a, way better than a, uh, a rum cake. So, when you're creating a cocktail, you got to think about what's going to complement it. Like, whenever I'm making... 
drink that wants, let's say you want a donut, you want to simulate a donut, you may want to put things like vanilla, vodka in it, some fruit, you know, for a jelly donut. And you can always come up with almost anything, make a drink, make a shot. But just because you add a bunch of liquors together doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a good cocktail. You got you got to go easy on it. You got to be careful not being too sweet. People don't like those sweet drinks sometimes. I mean, shoot, when they're shooting a drink, they don't really care. Shooting is... That's why you have pickle juice. I don't know why people do... They, they drink Jameson's with a shot of pickle juice, pickleback. I mean, I guess they don't either, they don't really like Jameson's or they don't really like pickle juice. And people say, yeah, I love pickle juice. So if you drink pickle juice, why don't you have a glass of pickle juice in the morning? And why don't you sip on Jameson instead of shooting it? You have to put pickle juice after after that. I may have said that in previous episodes. I still feel the same way. So I'm consistent. So when you're mixing drinks, don't always, and you know what? For sometimes shortcuts, people pre-mix drinks they have their good and they have their bad the the good is that if you pre-mix something let's say shots and things like that and you go through a ton of them it doesn't really matter you don't have anything but juices and drinks have a half-life you don't really want to store them too long i mean they're best in the original bottle just like the juice any cranberry juice orange juice they're, they're best preserved in the original bottle. Same thing with liquor. So when you mix it, uh, I had a friend that used to make limoncello. I don't know the process that goes into making limoncello, but what they would do is they'd have those ceramic rubber stop bottles with the metal handle that you just clamp down. And it would sit in the fridge, in one of our drink fridges for a while, and people would forget what it was because it was unlabeled. You got to be careful about leaving unlabeled bottles around and things like that. It's in a lot of states that's a no-no. Liquor should be in the original bottle, and also in a lot of states, it's illegal to have less than a shot in a bottle. Yes, that's true. If you have less than a shot in a bottle, that's the reason why a lot of times people just pour it away, say last last drink in the bottle, because they don't want people. They want them to throw out the the bottles. They want to see the empty bottles. Where are your empty bottles? Well, don't reuse them. Some bottles take so long to use up. Some some bottles take so long to use up. Like, let's say a root beer schnapps. Now, people hold on them in their fridge for like a couple years. Because you don't use a ton of it. And those labels get all raggedy and stuff like that. So it just looks it looks it looks bad. It just sends a wrong message. But just think of the, the Hawaiian pizza conundrum, though, when it comes to drinks. Just because pineapple, you like pineapple and you like pizza, to me, I don't think it has to go on there all the time. I mean, I like donuts and I like pizza. Or chocolate chip. I don't put it on. It's just not one of the things. And people say, well, no, people love it. People love Hawaiian pizza. Well, they can love it. They can love it. That's just a taste profile. But be careful what you mix in. Doesn't, you know, the more liquor doesn't necessarily make it better. And sometimes you may be creating a whole new liqueur. 
And if you're if you're not careful when you're making a cocktail, you maybe if you put a lot into it, you may not be able to recreate it. You may not be able to recreate the taste because you have to really think about what you're putting in and the portions and stuff like that. So think about that. Okay, to get back to the in crowd, the, the beautiful people. Do you treat people differently when they come in because of how they look? If you're working in the service industry or any industry, do you t- treat them because someone's attractive? I mean, it's human nature. People would say the facile answer would be, oh, I hate to use, I'm sorry, use the easy answer would be, yeah, attractive people get treated better. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. There could be people that have a grudge against attractive people because there's some people that aren't very attractive and why would they feel obligated to treat them better? I, you know, and a very attractive woman comes in and you think, well, she's going to be taken care of. There was a Seinfeld episode like that where she would get out of, you know, people would get out of their speeding tickets and things like that. And it happened, I'm sure it happened to guys too. I try to treat everyone the same. I try to. On one of these bartending sites, on Facebook, a bartending group, someone posted that to, they they used the, it, they didn't mean it to be derogatory, but they used the word uh, midget to describe little people. And she said, uh, well, I'm going to use little people from now on. She said one little person came into her bar and she's in a small town of 10,000. They're the only bar, I think they were the only bar of ten uh, in that town of 10,000, full service bar. And then later on in the day, another little person came in. And she just thought that was amazing because it's such a small town. I mean, I don't get a lot of little people coming into my bar, but I get them every so often. When a little person comes in, it it holds true to that. I'm sorry for hitting that. It holds true to that whole thing. Do we treat people differently? Do you act differently? I could tell when a little person comes in and they're not a child. I could tell when they're adults and things like that, if they're in their 30s or not, and they come up, scoot in. Scoot in, I shouldn't have said scoot in, that's derogatory. And they kind of hop up on the bar stool. Which, you know, you would have to do if your legs don't touch, right? If you're, if you're sitting in a bar stool. But luckily we have this ledge right at the foot that it's kind of good for that. That's why, that's one of the reasons why children aren't good at the bar. Another one is you shouldn't have children at the bar because of the conversations that go on. But little people are not children, and it should, shouldn't be any difference that they should be treated when they come in. There shouldn't be any difference in the initial greeting and things like that. Um, I, I, w- I would hesitate to say anything to infantilize them. Say, hey, how you doing, little fella? No. That's not a good thing. It's a good thing. How are you, sir? How are you, madam? They come in, have a seat, treat them exactly like they say. Just like if someone comes in when they're pretty, pretty, uh, big, let's say larger, larger, different body shapes, you know, you just come in and you think, well, let's come in, sit down, have a drink and treat, treat them exactly the same way. They shouldn't know when you're talking to them that you have, you're reading something 
different about that. Now, smile, you can re be reflective of their smile. If they're smiling, you could smile. Or you should smile. Who knows? I've been reading an article that people are getting more and more, uh, especially in the service industry, but I'm sure it happens in all, all of them, that people are getting more and more, I guess they feel justified or empowered in order to meet someone's energy. And that's a nice way of saying if someone's being an asshole, that they can respond like an asshole. And I've, I, I know, I realize, I, I hit, I'm, I'm, I'm broadcasting, I'm doing this recording from my daughter's room today because my, my wife is listening to music and having her, doing her hair in the family room, so I didn't want to interrupt her. So, and the daughter's at school, so I figured I could do this. And she's going to ask me why I was in here, and then I'll tell her. I did see one thing that kind of bothered me, and I'll talk that. But not bother me, bother me, but it's kind of silly. Um, meeting someone's energy just kind of like dragging you down there to level. So it was, we were, I, I did mention that we were busy this weekend. We had a lovely weekend. It was busy. I mean, when you want to make money, nice people came in. Nice people. They talk about how they look, but there were there were a lot of them. There was some great entertainment on Friday and Saturday night. And one of our regulars came in, and he just sat there. He ordered some food, and it was right in the in the middle of the rush where everything kind of slowed down. When I say slowed down, when you ordered. It's going to take a lot, a little while because everyone's ordering at the same time. Just the way our restaurant is, we don't meter the way we seat, sit people. We don't have, you know, hold tables back and say, listen, we got to hold it back for the kitchen so they don't get overwhelmed. Or our kitchen got inundated with orders. So we don't, we don't know necessarily where we are. We're old school with our tickets and things like that. So sometimes a ticket that was taken 10 minutes before is, is treated like a ticket that was treated te taken 10 minutes after. So they say, hey, Jim, just write the times on it. And he said, well, that'd be good if they read the times. I'd be the only one that would put the time on it. Not everyone puts a time on it. Well, no one puts a time on the ticket. Everyone have to write the time on a ticket when it gets busy. So he's sitting there drinking his beer, and then he says, listen, I've been waiting a while. He was a little drunk. And this is on, he says, uh, in 10 minutes, if it's not out here, I'm not paying for it. I just looked at it. I'm a little busy. I told him, he said, you know, it's going to take a while. I said, and then he, he mentions it again. Then I, I, I did. I met his energy because he was going to say, I don't know why it would take that long. I said, look around you. I said, these people across from you ordered before you, and they're still waiting. And he says, I don't care. I'm going like that. And I go, boo. And I, I will not, I have to say, I, I'm not proud of my behavior. You know, I am not. I'm not. I just, GTFO, that's what I said. Don't, I don't want to hear, you cannot order when it's busy anymore, I said to the guy. <laughs> and, and he talked to the owner and stuff like that. And he ended up getting his stuff and relaxing. But he does this to me. He lays this down when it's busy. And it's not his first time. So I'm. I showed this story. He's meeting his energy, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud. It felt good. It felt good. How long can you keep on smile, smiling when people are being difficult? 
how long? How long can you just do it? And uh, remember when uh, Clark Griswold, in, if you ever watch Family Vacation, towards the end, when everything, when he shows up at Wally World and John Candy says, the moose out front should have told you that we're closed, you know? And then he just goes apeshit. I don't know if that happened right then. I think it happened when the moose told him. The moose said, oh, Wally's, Wally World's closed for uh, maintenance. I used that line before when we were um, closed for a couple weeks when uh, I worked at another restaurant. I'm sorry, folks. We're closed for three weeks for maintenance. And, you know, I know some people might be disappointed because they wanted to come there and stuff like that. But I, I myself, if I go to a restaurant and I understand if, if it's one restaurant, if you're not exactly sure it's open, boy, you, you did some poor planning. Uh, but, you know, in this day and age, you got to double check that stuff. You do. You do have to do it. And I don't know if I, it is empowering matching someone's energy when someone's being an asshole. I'm sure flight attendants have it. All these different people. People, if you ask them to do masks, I had a guy flip out on me when I, I may have been a little too loud telling them they, they should, because it was crowded, I asked him to put their mask on and he just came over and just let me have it and I went right back at him. And, you know, people say, hey, you shouldn't let someone talk to you like that. People are saying, oh, you know, that's a, you did the right thing. And I think, no, I didn't do the right thing because I didn't feel good about it at the afterwards. I didn't feel good about it. Matching someone's bad behavior is probably not the best thing. There's best, there's, there's low key ways to do it, but you know, people just do what they want nowadays, right? People's bad behavior. Sometimes if you're kind of lay back, they'll come in, you know, they'll come and walk all over you. Or if you push back at them, they'll just get angrier. So there's really no easy answer. If someone has an easy answer for this, I don't think, I don't think you got to play it. Play like you got to switch it out. You got to have someone else come in. Hey, can you talk to this person for a while? See how it is. And if they talk to two different people or three different people and realize, oh, you're dealing with an asshole, there's no person that's going to be able to talk to them to be able to do that, to be able to placate them. So, but yeah, don't automatically, don't automatically match their energy. You can do something to let out the steam. You can go outside, maybe you scream and stuff like that. Just with fuck, 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 fuck. You know, all that shit. I think it works. Um, while I have it on my mind, my I'm, I'm looking at my daughter's desk and there is a Bud Light seltzer. Lemon lime sitting on there. And it says mango on the side and stuff like that. But what it actually is, it's in a case. It's in a box. And it says, I'm a speaker. And it's just a, it looks like a Bud Light seltzer can. Why in the hell would they make a Bluetooth speaker that looks like it's seltzer? Hard seltzer. My daughter's 15 years old. Right? And she's probably, I don't know what the thing is. Because first of all, she can probably, if you're playing this in your car, if you put this Bluetooth speaker in a car or someplace, it just gives the impression that you're underage drinking. Or she might be thinking, well, if 
she has a picture with a, a can that's a Bluetooth speaker, and she goes, oh, that's a Bluetooth speaker can. There's nothing in it, you know, if there's a picture, because they take pictures all the time. Like I said, there is no secrets nowadays. No secrets are stupid things, and kids get caught all the time because they take so many pictures, so many pictures. My daughter, for some reason, sends these TikTok videos, these, uh, videos, pictures, um, or Snapchat all the time to other people. It's just a picture of their face. And I said, you're using so much data of just sending 20 pictures to someone of the same exact expression. Make it interesting. No, I don't mean make it interesting. You know, don't make it too... What would you call it? Something embarrassing, I guess. I don't want to talk about that because it's my daughter. But then again, I know what happens to everyone. I'm not a, I'm not a fool. Okay. I told you a couple of weeks ago we got our tree and I told you my theory behind it that I don't necessarily open up the tree. Nowadays, the... Yeah, um... You get the trees are all wrapped up. They're all string and stuff like that. I don't like to have it done because I don't want to put it in my car with it's not wrapped again. And I don't want to ask someone to cut it, open it up, then wrap it again. A lot of times they don't have that thing. Again, to put it through. But it's a waste of string and stuff like that. I keep on hitting my... I know I'm making a lot of noise. I apologize for that. It's a little tight quarters in here. She has so much crap on her chair. But when I, I did the tree, it was nice. It you know got decorated. It's beautiful. Uh, but one of my friends said to me, he says, oh, did you leave it, sit outside for an hour? I said, well, what's the difference? It's gonna It's been sitting out in 70 degree, 75 degree weather, and I'm bringing it inside to 75 degree weather. Oh, did you spray it with water? And I go, what do you mean spray it with water? When you spray it with water, get it all. I said, well, you know, Listen, I've been doing this for years, bringing trees in. I never soak it. Up north, we would just, when it's really cold, when it's freezing, we would take the tree and put it in the garage, which was warmer than outside, and let it sit there before we bring it in, like 24 hours. But here, it's no big deal. And they said, no, you spray it with water, and this is safer. You worry about fires. I said, fires. People used to put, back in the 1800s, or 1700s even, People used to put lit candles in their trees. Lit candles. They clipped candles. That's what the lights before electricity. Some people, yeah, crazy. Crazy. Poor people didn't bring trees into their house. You know? They tried to keep, you know, because they, I mean, they didn't get trees from trees farms and stuff like that. So if you brought a tree and you likely you could bring a squirrel in or something like that or some kind of pest into your house. Not that they didn't have them anyway. But they had, I mean, imagine the fires they used to have. You get a tree, it's dry, and someone says, well, we're going to put a candle in it. And that sucker goes up in five seconds. If you've never seen a Christmas tree go into a bonfire, man, it's a sight to be seen. Uh, There's a show on television that I watched. I watched the whole season. It was only six episodes, but it was over the course of three days. And it's a new loss in space. And I liked it. I liked it. But it kind of parodied a life lesson for me. Or was a metaphor for a life lesson. There was a I'm not gonna go through the whole story. It's a pretty good it's a pretty good show. I liked it. I liked it. It's not it's no 
Star Trek, but it's better than the first Lost in Space. More adult, I'd have to say. But no cursing. So it's just a little more adult for that stuff without the campy humor and shit like that. And Dr. Smith, Parker Posey. I always thought it was really cute, but then, you know, now she's middle-aged. She played Dr. Smith, and she had an interesting character development that I don't think Dr. Smith ever had on the original Lost in Space. And that, the original Lost in Space, if you didn't see it, you're not really missing out. But the really funny thing about Lost in Space was, uh, it's let me tell you the plot of the original one. The original one was... Uh, the United States sends a family up into space, a family unit, to go and explore. Because this way, the astronauts wouldn't miss their families and stuff like that. And they'd be all together. Like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. We'll just send your 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 son and your two daughters and a military guy and Mr. and Mrs. Robinson. The Robinsons went. And they had a robot. Well, there was a stowaway. In the original one, there was stowaway, Dr. Smith. And Dr. Smith was such a dick. He had a real weird way of talking. Skinny guy. I think he was around 50, maybe. He was, you, know, you don't know. It was one of those innocuous, you, you can't tell if he was, I, I think he was like a con man or something. He just snuck on board or something like that. And he ends up, I don't know why he snuck on board because he was, he was always terrified. He was always, he was always screaming. He was always screaming like a, a little little kid whenever anything happened. And whenever he had the opportunity, when it came up against, let's say, any hostile aliens, he would sell his family out all the time. All the time. He was a traitor. Anytime he came, he would try to, he would try to leverage whatever information he had with the spaceship the Robinsons was on and the Robinsons, he would sell them out in the second, sell them into servitude, sell the kids into servitude. He's always like screwing around with, with and you know, he said, he sounded weird. So you didn't know if he had any alter, ulterior motives on, on, on the, the young boy or the young girls. And, and Penny was like in her teens and the older one, Judy was like in her late teens. And they were cute. So I didn't like this Dr. Smith on I wouldn't I would have injected him into space eventually. I think they stayed on the same planet. I don't know if they ever left left the same planet. It was a couple seasons they So Dr. Smith, every time though, the family would come back and say they were just taken back and every time they screw screw him over and try to sell him out. They distrust him, and then they would kind of like, "Oh, you go with Will and the robot." And he's, he's always, anytime he ran into an alien, he would just figure out a way. He says, "Well, I have these, you know, you can have these kids and the robot, and you, you know, what do you have to give me?" And he would sell them out. It was incredible. But this Parker Posey, she had an ulterior motive to to not show who she is, and she did sell them out a couple of times. But she had a little, what would you call, character development going on through the show, which is interesting because people do change. I believe sometimes people do change. But there was one thing about complex questions. This was the metaphor. I know I went the whole thing out, but talk about in the new show. I think the mom, Mrs. Robbins, was pretty hot. And so was the, the girls are pretty too, but Mrs. Robbins is pretty hot. She's in her 40s. So I, 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 I thought she was sexy, smart. She's like an engineer. 
She knows all the shit. She's not like a uh, one of those stay-at-home moms. So there's a real difficult question on the main characters, the antagonist had a very convoluted plot on how they were going to get humans. They were trying to get to to the humans' base of operations in either uh, Earth or Alpha Centauri, where they're going, where they were going, where they have a colony, and they were trying. The Robinsons were trying to keep them away from it, and there was one event that occurred. And they said, well, why did this happen? And she goes, I think I know what happened. Now, when does that happen? When you have one clue and you're able to figure out the whole plot. Think of your car. Now, it's not like a flat tire. You have a flat tire, it's a flat tire. You have a flooded engine, you have a flooded engine. There's a myriad of problems with the complex uh, systems that cars are now. That, and, oh, think of the human body. You have something wrong that's not easily identifiable and you go automatically, you go to WebND and you go, well, this has to be the solution. Well, in complex systems, more often than not, the first uh, decision or the first answer is not the correct with the human body. You know what I mean? A lot of times, if it's an obscure symptom, you're not going to know because it could be a myriad of things going on. And I just love it on TV shows and people go, oh yeah. And then in the end they go, well, that wasn't it. <laughs> that wasn't it. It's a little more complex than that. You ever have that when someone comes up and they're doing something and all of a sudden you say, oh, well, this person's angry. It must be, they must be angry at me. No, that's not necessarily the solution. They just try to make it on the, on TV shows. They try to make it less complex, and the less complex part because of life. They know the first time it's not going to be always the right answer, right? So, I I don't know the answer with some of these problems. Uh, to get back to the bartending thing, I just remember. It's funny on these shows, we got the worst horrible thing that goes on and then people are cracking jokes. And that could be like human nature and stuff like that. When under stress and stuff like that, people are trying to be brave. A little bravado. You know, showing I still got a sense of humor. We're gonna be, we could possibly be killed, but I still show a sense of humor. Well, that's, you know, that, that's admirable. People say, when, when I'm at work and I get real snowed under and there's something going on and stuff like that, I, I don't really get really warm and fuzzies when I'm working hard. I go into cruise control, right? Autopilot. And I'm just cranking out drinks, doing the thing, trying to do in the order. And... Sometimes people don't understand if you're in the middle of... Someone said to me, in the middle of the rush on Friday, they were drinking heavily, one of the regulars were drinking heavily, and she goes, you just don't know how to multitask. And I go, huh, yeah, okay, in the middle of it. You know, when people are yelling their orders, trying to get your attention, and you look at them, they get, you get their attention, you get an order from... Uh, 
the servers, which we don't have a ticket, we don't have a POS system. So people come up and shout their drinks. Yep. I, if you're a bartender, you so you get those. And then the other person, they'll order four or five drinks. And then all of a sudden, another person come up and say it, the same thing. Why you have like 20 customers at the bar yelling their things too. So it's, you have to be either in one of those top percentile of memory, a memory champ where you can go and just open up a phone book and remember the first page of names and just go back. and. But I don't think you can do that and run. Maybe you can. That's a really interesting talent. I don't have that talent. I tell people that. I say, I don't have that talent. I get four drinks. You tell me they're in the front of my mind. Then you tell me anything afterwards. It's a possibility it could wipe out the short-term memory of those first four, four ones. You think that I'm, at, I'm operating like the guy in Memento, Guy Pearson in the movie Memento, where like <coughs> 30 seconds after they disappear, it's like I don't even, I didn't even know what happened. So, and finally, what I wanted to talk about, and it was interesting because I saw a documentary called, uh, it was was eye-opening as described by ABC News on the Freemasons, right? Now, I apologize to any Freemasons out there. And I told you that one of our one of our regulars that come in, Jimmy Hawkins, believes the Freemasons and the Illuminati and all that stuff control the world. And they have a system in place that keeps people in bondage or whatever they want to call it, keep them subservient. Well, according to this, it, it, you know, it looked a little like Scientology to me. I looked a little like Scientology to me when I saw, and it's all men, right? Which, how long is that going to last? You know what I mean? Eventually, I say in 10, 15 years, the Freemasons are probably going to switch to it. It started out, Freemasons, the tradition was uh, the engineers and architects that used to build builders, the, the, the master builders, and how they used to teach apprentices and you know some of these projects like these cathedrals they built these big cathedrals in in europe would take generations generations to complete so the master builder would take apprentices under their wing and tell them how this is going to be done so there was a continuity of ideas which is admirable and then it became eventually I don't know if it came in the it was just in the United States, but Freemasonry maybe started in Europe and then moved to the United States and then developed this kind of cult like mythology that they control things. And some Freemasons, some powerful men were Freemasons. Right? And they just had a different view of religion, the brotherhood of man. And it's some Beautiful ideas, but also they have some strange clothing. Kind of square hats. They got swords. 
they got military uniforms and things like that, and they do things together. And they have the first, in Freemasons, they have three levels. But then they got Scottish Rite and the regular Rite or York Rite Masons, and they go up to level 33. So level three is your master. And then they got these other ones that go on. And they're, the way they look, some, some of the people look like Freemasons. They don't have one uh, people that you would typify as standard extroverts or charismatic individuals. So they could be very intelligent. One of the rules for passing a Mason, you have to memorize a code, a long code to get your third level. And it's like uh, an eyeball, an upside down L, you know, something like that. And, and then you have to go on for like a page or two and you memorize it. And that's, I guess that's to train your brain and things like that. And after watching it, I realized, this, I said, you know who should watch this? The guy, Jimmy, that I know, who believes that they control the world. And I'm thinking, Jimmy, why do you hate the Freemasons? They just seem kind of kooky. I can't imagine that they would be able to, with your square hats and your swords and your different robes with stars on it. And stuff like that. You look like uh, sorcerer robes that you would be taking seriously and say, well, that this is a person that controls the world. No, I don't see it. I don't think them... I. I think I have a hard time uh, believing that they control their whole life other than controlling the world. And some of the people, it's very interesting. And one guy goes, he's giving a description of it. And I thought he was being magnanimous. I said, this will be the proof of it because they were talking about the differences in the Freemason. And he said, at one point, he says, well, it really doesn't matter what you believe in religiously. We just believe in a higher power. And then he kind of dances around saying, well, we tell the whole story and stuff like that. In, in like Scottish Rite is main, mainly open-minded to all different religions. They have a picture. They have a, a book of the Koran, the Torah, and the Bible. And the other ones, probably Bhagavad Gita and all that stuff. All the different ones. Zoroastrian. And in one of them, they're open to all of them. In another, it's basically Christianity. And he said, one, he, the way he phrased it, one was better than the other. And he, I said, boy, that's kind of parochial or kind of, what would you call it? Juvenile, the way you would insult another group that you're affiliated with. It's part of your affiliation. You're Freemasons. They're Freemasons. You make them... If you try to make them sound silly, why would anybody take you seriously? But after watching it, I go like this. Man, it was so hard watching it. I said, boy, they they really have a hard time converting me. If you remember years ago, I used to have... Uh, years ago. It was about 10 years ago. I had a, a gentleman used to visit me. He was a Jehovah Witness an older black man. He'd bring his missionaries or whatever. They were trying to convert people and he'd come down the street. Nice guy. Nice guy. I haven't seen him in years. I think he stopped by this house once. But I haven't seen him in years. I hope he's all right. But I used to invite him in and he would 
proselytize on that. And, you know, they don't have like too much value for the Catholics and stuff. And I told him, I said, well, I'm really not Catholic. And, oh, that's great then. I said, yeah, but I'm not willing to trade one thing. I'm not adherent to, to another thing I won't be an adherent to. They didn't quite understand. He says, you don't understand. There's 144,000. I go, what? Uh, uh, I don't, I, you know, I'm listening to that. They got this math thing where 144,000 people will get it close to the guy. And I was sitting and listening to it. And then he go and say, you only, it's only, and he show me words in a book that say, it's only by this that you can be redeemed. Because someone wrote that. It's written on a piece of paper. Someone, well, what if I write right here? It's only by eating strawberry jelly with a can of Budweiser on your head and a riding crop in your hand that you can be redeemed. It's written in a book. And if I got maybe 200 people to adhere to it, it's a religion or just one person really. Why Why do you believe that? Well, because it was revealed to him. It was revealed to him by everyone has it revealed to him. They always say they were revealed to it by whoever founded a religion always said the supreme being revealed it to them. They Their eyes opened up and they got a special wisdom that no one else had. Had a special wisdom that no one else had. You know where special wisdom comes from? From life. And life tells me if you're looking through a hat with magic rocks in it to look at invisible plates that only you can see, my life experience is saying you're full of shit. And because it's a couple hundred years old, it doesn't add to the veracity of what was said. Do you ever get a story from someone a day later? A day later, how incorrect the story is sometimes. I tell the stories too, incorrectly. Imagine putting a couple years in between that. So, yeah, yeah, there, there could be... I'm not saying the religions aren't correct. I'm just saying, how do you know? And the reason they... The way people verify the veracity of their statements is say, because God told me. It was revealed to me from God or the Supreme Being or something like that. And nothing, and, and you could say to them, is there anything I can say that would make you think differently? And they say, no. And then they said, well, if I believe as greatly in my view as you believe in yours, why do you think you can convince me? And that's why I leave that. I'd like to thank everyone for the wonderful job you did last week at downloading episodes. I want you to keep it up. If there's any new people out there and you wonder what I'm talking about, I'm talking about downloading as many episodes you can. We're getting, by leaps and bounds, we are getting more and more. We're, we, have, we're, we have about 50% more downloads or 100% more downloads over previous 30 days and I want to keep that up so if you have the ability to download more episodes great because the more episodes we get the more likely that the streaming services when I say streaming services podcast services uh, iTunes Spotify iHeart there you know you could become big on one of them I imagine but iTunes is kind of like the one 
and then there's Spotify. Spotify's kind of like, and then I have Spreaker, the one that uses service on. But you'll see me that pushing that stuff. It's available on every service. It's available on every service except Pandora. But download as many episodes that'll help our incidental listeners. Meaning, the more time people come and say, "Hey, listen, if you like this show and this show, maybe you'll like the Keys Bartender." Well, I'd like to thank you for listening. If you have any questions, please come and uh, send me. I was going to say come and see me. Come and see me. You can always come and see me at the Catch Restaurant in Key Largo, mile marker 102. But uh, send me an email, jim at keysbartender.com if you have any questions. Thank you very much and have a great day. I'll be back tomorrow. Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas has gotten recently. Prices at the pump are up, but I never pay full price for gas anymore. I just use the free Upside app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the Upside app? Yes, I get real cash back every time I buy gas. And does that actually add up to anything? I've made around $200. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free Upside app now. Download the free Upside app to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SIMPLE for an extra 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, to PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SIMPLE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SIMPLE for 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill-up. And now an update on what some analysts and reporters are calling the Great Resignation and the upside of it all. As many as 44% of workers are leaving their 9-to-5s behind and looking for life hacks to make up the difference in income as they pursue other jobs. And as that number grows, so have downloads of an app called Upside. It's a free app for cash back on gas, groceries, and at restaurants. Can an app like Upside really make a difference? You bet. With Upside, users can earn an average of $96 a year. And it works at all the big gas brands like Shell, BP, Valero, Phillips 66, Circle K, etc. And at favorite local grocers and restaurants. Everyone's got to drive and eat, right? If you want to get in on this life hack, we have a promo code for you. Head to the App Store or Google Play and download Upside. Enter code HACK to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account to PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use code HACK.